0: My guest today is Liam Sterling, and if you are the kind of writer who wrote a book and expected the masses to simply flock to it because it was well-written, you're going to relate with Liam's struggle. He put a book into the world only to realize that it's a lot more effort and grit and mental struggle to get that book in readers' hands. We go deep into the marketing mindset of somebody who's confronted with the need to market, aggressively, assertively to reach your goals and feeling like you're behind the eight ball because you started after the book was published. Enjoy my conversation with Liam Sterling. Hey, I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing.
1: What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sit I'm gonna drive I'm gonna go and do this journey and I'm just gonna to listen to the reluctant bookmark or the uh, <laughs> podcast yeah while I'm driving on because that that Tom Buckner episode was was special um yeah. I think because the thing is that I then got in the uh, I, I took the uh, radio and, and Kieran to the airport today and um then started on the the next episode you kind of was the one where you went, right, now I'm going to do some book stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I I have so many questions for you. But one of them was, was it the Tom Buckner episode that made you think, I have to... go back to my original focus because
0: it was quite a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's a great a great question. And it's funny to me. By the way, if you notice, I'm just dabbing myself with a rag. I live in like an 1880s house that has no insulation and the upstairs had a new roof. So one of our rooms is more or less exposed to the sun. It's hot, it's hot up here. And usually I have a box fan going, but audio. So anyway, um, it was shortly after the, the Tom Buckner episode, um, In time wise, but I did air a couple more podcasts to get myself ready for the turn. That episode actually was the most popular show on my podcast for quite a long time, Um, up until probably about a month ago, it got surpassed by um, two shows at the same time but he is a character like no other character uh, I, have, I have ever run into. So it was a, a delight to talk to him and also a little bit scary. I had my parents reach out and be like, are you sure you're safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a much needed trajectory change for the show itself. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of part of marketing in and of itself is that we start out with these grand ideas of what we're going to accomplish uh, and then, when we realize that it's way harder than we thought, I think most of us, and I can't speak for you, but I feel like in the general, we have a moment where we're like, I got to do something different, or I'm just not going to make it. And now, a word from one of my favorite podcasters the Starfleet Leadership Academy, leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Enjoy an episode of Star Trek and learn invaluable leadership lessons from Jeff Aiken. Thanks. Let's get you back to the show. You're going to have some people who are radically dedicated to what you're doing. And your your goal is to make your pool small enough to start with that you can find those people more quickly. Um, I had this conversation with Brad Listy on a podcast a little while ago. If you haven't listened to it, please do. Um, but he talks about, you know, word of mouth is the only way. If you want to go super big, you have to get word of mouth working for you. You have to have people talking about you. I, I couldn't agree more with him. I just think there's an actual science to doing it. And he doesn't feel that way. I think this idea of focusing on those people who speak the language that you spoke, um, those people are going to read your book and be like, "Finally, there's a book all for me. And they're going to have that echo of a feeling that you felt before you realized that you were accidentally riffing on other people's work that came out prior And they're going to be so excited about it that they're going to tell their friends and you will get word of mouth. I really feel strongly that it's scientifically possible. It just takes a lot more work and a specific kind of work that maybe some people have not done before.
1: So here's the thing, right? And back to the double-edged sword of meta, my least favorite. And they're going one of the things that happens particularly that happened in the first book. And there isn't a bad thing that can happen to me (laughs) now, because (laughs) if something is rubbish yeah it's fodder for hell um and uh <laughs> meta campaigns and right up there uh, i don't know how i'm going to get them in there but um for the brief period the brief window that it was running yeah so sort of between about and and, and the reason that they that they basically banned me at the moment is because i might not have had my glasses on and i misspelled so having having discovered that Uh, putting in the direct link into the Amazon website. That was a bad thing. I went and created a website. Yeah, yeah, okay, I've now got HerculesLeap.com. Perfect, right? So you can go on there, there's a button, you can click the link, that takes you through Amazon. So now I can use this on the Facebook ads because I want to see how it works. Um, So yeah, yeah, do all the stuff and then misspell my own website. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) The button link. (laughs) (laughs) And they ran the ad for two days, yeah? and they didn't note it. or that they. that So the bit where it says, oh, no, that's a good website, oh. but it's not. It doesn't go anywhere. And it was only because some kind gentleman sent me a note saying, um, uh, page not found, that yeah. I went, oh, mm. better check that. Um, can you just check this website? So I sent him my website. He said, yeah, that's fine. I've just signed oh, up to your, wow. your email list. There you go. Someone on my email list. This works only at this point. I'm on my phone this morning, so I'm desperately trying to, and, and in the same way that Yesterday, trying to log on, and they said, "Oh, you've pressed the buttons too quick. We're locking you out of your account." what? (laughs) I've got an unresponsive Uh. computer, and you've taken that as a sign that I'm trying to hack. Yeah, okay, brilliant. (laughs) The the algorithm is quite a nanny um, in that brief window where I said, "Just, I just want to advertise to people over 18 in the UK who like Terry Pratchett, Douglas Adams." um there were a few other things that i put in um i was absolutely the the demographic of the people that clicked yeah mostly blokes Mm -hmm. over 40 yeah and i was like okay fair enough actually it's me (laughs) and like you say there is a science to a lot of this stuff um it, I, I could I could focus on them, and I know that I'm going to be restricting my market. Then now the problem that I have with this is that these are these are mostly dads, and no one's going to be listening to what they have to say. Yeah. So unless they're talking to one another right. down the path, yeah,
0: it it is a bit it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, figuring out how to like change that and get get those same guys who um, just happen to be on Facebook, except you hate Facebook, so they probably hate Facebook, and then you're in a real catch twenty two. Like, if I hate this stuff, well, how am I ever going to expect the people that I really identify with? to love this stuff and be using it because that automatically makes them different than me. That was my truly, that was my catch 22 when I decided I had to do social media in a more serious way was um, I had a Twitter profile as the main character of my novel for quite a while. That's no secret on the podcast though. The identity is still a secret at the moment. And I used Facebook basically to see my wife's posts. Like that was all I was doing is looking at what she was posting. I wasn't interacting with anybody um, I didn't have Instagram. I thought TikTok was the dumbest thing in the world. And then I realized if I don't seriously overhaul what I'm doing, I'm stuck. There's nowhere I can get because my agent can't sell my novel. If you can't bring a pre-packaged number of readers to the table to say, Hey, the minute you publish this book, I've already sold 2,500 copies for you. Good luck selling that book. Yep. And this is your interview. So I want to get back, right back to you, but I, uh, was just talking to my connection, the guy, and this is funny too, because I haven't talked to him in a while. The guy who connected me with Tom Buckner today. Uh, and we were talking about a friend of ours that we had, who had some, some, you know, small fortune publishing a short story collection, won some prizes, got some recognition, but ultimately the book didn't sell very well. And so that person went out and tried to query agents. Look, I won a prize. Look, I won a prize could not get an agent, even with a novel, novel manuscript, having won prizes, because that person is not a marketer that person doesn't market and nobody would buy the book the way that that person got around it uh, is that they had a connection who took some of the stories to uh, California and had some connections with some people in the film industry. And when one of those stories got optioned, now all of the agents want to buy the novel, everybody wants the novel. And so it's that, who you know can really help you out but you can't rely on a a source of good luck you have to really have this devotion to figure out the hack to doing this and it's it's not fun i will completely agree with anybody right now who's thinking i don't want to spend the time to build up a facebook i'm right there with you i don't either but
1: here's the thing is that um i did the usual oh build it, Mm -hmm. they will come launched it yeah okay sell 50 copies in the first couple of weeks to friends and families and then it just drops off and then it's just bubbling along there is uh i think it was um the thing that drew was talking about um drew bagley it, the um none of us are perfect and we are all doing the best we can and you did make the point that there are some people that are maybe on a different podcast that there are some people that aren't yeah. doing the best they can but Um, when I was rereading Jingo there's a point in there where he's talking about them and us and the worrying possibility that they we might be they or the them might be we and they're but for a difference of circumstance and then it starts getting uncomfortable because if they are us then that actually I us is me and that starts posing me with difficult problems that i have to confront about my own lack yeah. of perfection um and when people just jump on dogma without uh you know blind faith yeah without questioning anything and if there was something else that you said that really resonated um which was um that you make assumptions but then you are prepared for those assumptions to be challenged and changed. And that's basically the scientific yeah. method. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? It's like, I will put forward a hypothesis. Yeah. And until the evidence suggests that that was a really bad thing to be thinking, uh, I will go with that. Absolutely. The snow's yeah. hot I, <laughs> and, uh, until I, I, think I know
0: that's it's the not. best. I think that's the best way to live in every, every way is there's, I, I have this conversation with somebody almost every day, um, where, you know, I'll ask a question. They'll be like, oh, you know, it depends. And I'll be like, I get that it depends. Just commit to an answer right now. You're free to change your mind. I think I've said it on this podcast before. I hope that gets through. You're free to change your mind. It's okay. You can be wrong. I say I'm wrong most days. Yeah, something I have I've done I've done stupid things. Like buy this house, actually. I am like sweating to death. I should have never bought this house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does look very bad. Yeah, it, it is. Oh, so, it's <laughs> bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, so curtain runs sense could to work it. too, right? <laughs> so uh, as you're getting ready to change some of the things that you're doing with marketing and you're thinking about the the process forward, uh, one of my questions for you is how far do you feel like you're willing to go? Do you want to see the book hit like a genuine bestseller status where it just stands up on its own legs in the genre itself? Or are you happy if a thousand people really connect to it? What, where do you feel? I mean, is a million people just a pie in the sky kind of idea for you?
1: Um, no, it's a target. Um, But it's not a target that you reach by going from nought to a million. Yeah, it's so I've had various targets. So, you know, sort of like the first one. So I hadn't published. I wanted to do the traditional agent thing. Um, I got some executive coaching at work uh, when I I joined the senior management team. And uh, my boss said, right, OK, we're going to send you. You, you need to pick a, an executive coach and go and learn to be sort of like one of the big boys now. And I was like, okay, right, I'll do this. It's not really my thing to um, sort of learn how to have better conversations in the workplace in the way that a lot of these things are, are structured. I, I'm not a ca- career, right? Why do we have the same word for what you do with your life and to hurtle out of control? <laughs> One of those things, is sort of like, yeah. So, um, I can I, I, my job's okay, I can do it well, I can, uh, I can provide value for my company, this is all good. But if someone wants to sort of like get inside my head and work out how I can be better at doing the thing that I do really pretty well for the organization, it's not the thing that actually floats my mm-hmm. boat in this. And, and, and we had. Two sessions, three sessions of me dancing around with this uh, the, this coach on a, on Zoom calls because uh, it was all during lockdown. And he just got to the point. He's like, "Oh, look, just tell me what's going on in your head." And I said, "Well, all right write yeah. And he said, "Right, okay, we're just going to talk about that." And then basically, he was like a kid. You know, "Are we nearly there yet? Are we nearly there yet?" He's like, "So, how are you going to publish this? What are you going to do? How are you going to publish it?" And I had been on a um, uh, an amazon webinar a kdp webinar with uh, this guy that did uh, lit rpg stuff and he said he was a former marine he wrote his first book uh, and he got such a buzz off it he wrote the next book in about two months and i'm like whoa well, yeah. you know sort of like that's some serious output yeah and then and one of the things he was saying is that don't launch one launch mm-hmm. two because the algorithms right. you know sort of like like to see that you are providing content the the other thing that he said is but nobody really understands the algorithms anyway so you know this is just it's hunches that we have and we have this feeling that you have to now that was reflected at the author Mm -hmm. advantage live they were saying you have to particularly as a non-fiction writer you know as uh, sorry as a fiction writer as a non-fiction writer you can have one idea and that could sell millions and Mm -hmm. that can be your your meal ticket forever but as a fiction writer you are creating a, a a brand of a you know sort of niche of story storytelling for a particular and the first book you're going to lose money on and this is yeah the first book particularly if you're doing what where if you're where i am where nobody knows Mm -hmm. who i am then what i am doing at the moment is i am basically buying myself an audience because i am spending money on advertising Mm -hmm. to people and i'm saying much the same as richard osmond does from his national tv into the living rooms of everybody across yeah. the country, <laughs> you know, so four o'clock in an afternoon, buy my book. I'm doing it at a right. much more ground level approach. So I'm doing Amazon advertising. I will be doing Facebook yeah. advertising. If yeah, that's, you'll,
0: you'll get back there, which is a good thing. What you're saying too is I, I would be a bad human being and a bad marketing podcast host, if I didn't say the caveat to what you are saying right now is if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to take some information and I'm not writing a novel yet, or I haven't published a novel yet. uh, Right now is the exact moment when you need to turn on full steam engines for marketing, because technically you're not marketing a book, you're marketing yourself. You are creating demand for you. People will come to you because you are you. Uh, I know I'm going on a little bit of a a monologue here, but we just talked about Stephen King. If you are a Stephen King fan, you see his books, almost every book that he has out right now, his name takes up two thirds of the cover. And then right there at the bottom is the title with a little graphic, like his name, sells books right now. It's not the the, the the title. Some people don't even care what title they they pick. They just see a Stephen King and they're like, I'm going to grab it. Dean Koontz, whoever, whoever you're, Dan Brown. Um, so you want to get to the place where you're marketing your name, not your book. Now, I think in your situation, Liam, you're very much marketing your book because you need people to get excited about the product and your book is going to drag your name forward. Um, and you're going to have to do kind of the mechanics yeah. of flipping that eventually. But to start with, that's your option. Yes. We both backed ourselves into a corner though, because we started so late. So if you're listening and you're hearing everything we're saying, don't be Liam, don't be Jody, be smarter than us and start marketing now.
1: Be McKenna. McKenna yes. Black. Oh, I was listening yes. to her and I was thinking, yeah, she's going to be a million selling <laughs> author as a primary speaker, yes. you know, right. as a kind kindergart- garden teacher because she's doing the right thing she is creating the audience she's creating Mm -hmm. the demand and it will happen and she will look around and she'll go i didn't even try but she did things in the right order and you know stubborn idiots like ourselves
0: thought that we could create a product that everyone would love so much that our name wouldn't even matter
1: yeah and um you know it's not going to stop me the author of vantage live they said oh the people that we have, that uh, you know, our blue chip people are the ones that have sold 10,000 books, mm-hmm. 10,000 copies. Right. So that became. So I have a. you said uh, the average book sells 500 copies. Yeah, I've heard various versions of this. I've heard um, the average self-published. Uh, well, they said on the self-publishing school, the average self-published sells yeah. 100 copies. Right. So t- past that. Right, but someone else had told me it was 250. So, right, do we count Kindle pages read here? (laughs) Yeah, and I I even thought
0: about that after I did that stat on that particular podcast. I was like, that stat was old and I knew it was, and it absolutely didn't account for self-published books. Like, that was still in the day when they didn't believe that self-published books were
1: books, so. It's ticking off each milestone and thinking, how do I get to the next thing? Because people can think in a particular way and get trapped into a particular way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. The bottom line is how much is enough, um, which I posed on, on Twitter and someone said, nothing is it, that nothing's it ever enough. And I was like, well, yeah, there's from someone who hasn't got everything. But at one end of the spectrum, we've got this guy who is massively wealthy, who thinks, oh, I just need more. Uh, at the other end, there's going to be, there's, there's a couple of girls, they're seeking a better life based on not having anything. So that, there's a natural thing, and this goes back to what I think Drew was talking about in similar sort of circumstances, is uh, we're all driven by the same motivators, but there comes a point in time where you have crossed that line, but where is it? And I don't know, you know, I'm not saying by uh, painting a caricature, maybe you can sort of like say, well, obviously he's over the line, but... It's challenging people, not necessarily in a preachy way, because I have got no uh, intention to uh, sort of um, do anything other than entertain, except for maybe make people think about whether they could be less demanding of a planet of finite resources. Yeah. I
0: agree with I agree with what you're saying. This it's something I've been thinking a ton about lately because I think that the vast majority of people on the planet think really small. Um, and, and so you hear all the time, set manageable goals. Like that's one of the most popular refrains out there for anybody who's thinking about trying to achieve something bigger than they know how to do set manageable goals. So you don't get burned out when you miss them. Nobody's talking about up the amount of effort it takes to reach whatever goal you had. Um, and I heard a guy recently make a point that I think is really true. He said, there's an infinite source of money. Anytime a country runs out, they just print more. There's infinite money. Um, there's also, and I agree with you. So let me, let me be really honest. I am actually very, very much. I have solar panels on one of my houses and that's before I realized that solar panels might not be as like eco-friendly as I thought they were. However, the heart's there, man. I really, really think we need to be responsible stewards of the planet, whether you're uh, an atheist or a devout believer, or you don't even care about any kind of religious spectrum. You just want to exist and have your generations of people go on. Um, But like right now, there's not enough money going into things like fusion. We actually have the ability to produce fusion and it's almost infinite as a resource that can give us all the power we ever need. And if you have a bunch of people who are really passionate about doing something good, then you can create something very sustainable and everybody gets to make millions of dollars and sell millions of books and have millions of fans on Twitter and on and on and on. It's just we tend to reach for the small stuff, have manageable goals. My manageable goal is to be able to drive to, to work. And so I need a car, but I can't buy a Tesla. You see where I'm going? I mean, I'm not going to keep rambling, but that's kind of my thought process right now. I'm, I'm in the middle of thinking this one through. So I don't even know if I'm right. I'm just kind of committing to the idea and moving forward. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a perfect moment to bring it to a conclusion for this podcast. Really fun conversation. In the meantime, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you on Facebook since we're trying to get that going a little bit for you. And then you are on Twitter. So let everybody know your handle on Twitter and anywhere else you want them to find you. Your book, of course, on Amazon. Give them all the goods.
1: I think the best thing is to say at Hercules League on Twitter or my website, which is www.herculesleak.com
0: Well, it's been really good to talk to you and I'm going to go ahead and sign us off here.